back to Brilliant Blast. This is episode 30 and we will be recapping episode 3 of season 3. So much like the episode, I would like to start with Liz and Max. Um, so they reunited outside of the crashdown. Um, I think this is something that is valid for the episode all around. Uh, I think the uh, parallels in this episode were very lovely. Uh, there were a lot of parallels to season one. Um, so, yeah, we see them reuniting. Uh, kind of awkward, as one expects it to be after a year. I would like to hear your thoughts on what, what you see Echo going in season three. Well, first, I want to say that I genuinely again, understand why people ship these characters. Mm -hmm. Their scenes are just so good. Even if I don't particularly care if they're together, if they break up, uh, you know, I'm not super like emotionally invested. They do things really well. Like th that whole seeing one another, that, that scene outside the crash. I mean, it's just so good. Um, I very much enjoy the fact that we don't really know where Liz and Max are going to go. I mean, we know where they're going to go, <laughs> but that it's not as cut and dry that usually, you know, Max feels this one way, you know, if Liz said, you know, I want to be together, he would, he would jump, you know, she would say jump, he would say how high. Um, and I appreciate that that's been um, turned on its head. And I, so I don't know where they're going to be in season three. I feel, I feel like Liz has to confront a lot of things about herself and a lot of blame that she's been putting on other people that she probably needs to turn a little bit inwards. So I kind of enjoy the mystery of, of where they're going. Yeah, I, um, I really liked the throwback to, you know, and I think this was at the end of the second episode, you know, Liz, Max, like it was, it was good and, and kind of called back to the first season, but yet they're in a completely different place. Uh, now compared to where they were then and um, I like I was worried especially when you had that scene at the drive-in towards the end of the episode I was worried that they were gonna like have this like love confession and like you know get back together and we weren't going to address you know any of these very big large problems that they have as a couple and these differences that they have and the things that they have done to each other and so I'm glad that we're not, that they're not going there yet. Obviously that's where this is headed. I mean, they're the main couple, but you know, I, I feel like I get the sense that we're going to have to work for it here, that they're going to have to work for it. And um, I really liked their scenes. I'm not the biggest echo shipper. I, I admit they have tons of chemistry, but I'm never like devastated when they have like these dramatic breakups or whatever and I really liked their scenes it really I know we're, and we'll talk about this later but when we're talking about that drive the drive-through scene from the uh first season you know we talk a lot about it in terms of Malik's which we will but damn that echo compared to uh, their the argument they had in the first season at the drive you know the drive-in 
drive through, drive in, whatever. Um, I haven't seen it in gift form and I hope someone has, I'm going to go look for it, but it's beautiful parallel, like a beautifully acted, not where I thought it was going to go. Like you said, like, I was like, Oh, they separated for like two episodes, but I mean, Max strapped on his big boy panties and, you know, really make, really switched it up. So just, and I just, it's such a beautiful way of describing this whole season of let's pretend season two didn't exist. And let's really talk about, get back to the beauty of season one and the reason that people fell in love with it. And it feels like every episode we're really taking things from season one and we're, you know, progressing them or, or paralleling them. And uh, it's just, just perfect. I never should have hidden what I was doing in the lab. I, I was so afraid of who I'd be without my groundbreaking discovery that I, I forgot about the other part, the important part, and it's you. I was wrong, Max, I was wrong. I, I, I should have told you what I was doing and when you asked me to stop, I should have. And I never should have burned down the lab. All I've ever wanted is for you to be great. And every time I try to go to the ocean, I, I can't. Because you're not with me. I can't do this anymore. No, 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 no. Hey, why are you pushing me away? You're lying. I can tell. Goodbye, Liz. Is this about what you're hiding in the desert? I don't owe you any explanations. You just can't be a part of my life anymore. Yeah, speaking of that scene, um, we'll talk about how they both got to what they said but um i did love that they both apologized for what they did at the end of season two because it is very much both of their faults they both have things that they need to work on and what i loved uh, amanda you mentioned it um that it was their dynamic was a little bit turned on on its head right so i love that this time around what it, it looks like it's going to be lee's who has to work for um, their relationship a little bit. Like season one, well, season two, obviously they, she had to bring Max back to life, but then it, it was Max again who was trying to get her back, right? So I do enjoy this idea of um, the role reverse, reversal of having Liz to work, work for it. Um, now, does Max deserve it? I don't know, but you know, uh, it, it's fun. It will be a fun dynamic to to see on screen, um, and I think it it will be interesting to see how how much they how long they draw it out for. Well, and I think you know I'm never going to be a big defender of Max Evans, but I think that it's very impressive that he was able to turn Liz down. I think it shows that this past year was you know 
transformative for one of the, like one of the ways it was most transformative was with Max. I think um, he's been through a lot in the last year, even if we were kind of missing details about that. I think it really shows how deep the hurt goes that he's not willing to jump right back into it. And we do love a character growth. That's nice. Whoever it is. I mean, even if it's a character that I'm kind of whatever about, you know, that's what, that's what you want to see. And I think, I feel like if you ship them, like, you know, heavily and are very involved in them, that this is what you would want. No, you know, going through the pain of 500 Malik scenes where it's all heartbreaking, you know, I'm like, oh, you'll live. You had one where they clearly still love one another and you know where it's going to go eventually. Um, But I think the best course of action was that scene, you know, this episode, anything else would have been like, oh Lord, they, they didn't learn anything. So I, kudos, this is the way it should have been. I love the sense that Liz is going to have to be the one to chase Max for once. You know, he's, we've always joked about him being Liz sexual and he kind of just tends to follow her around like a puppy dog a lot, especially like in the first season in the early episodes. And I, I just, I really love that. It seems like Liz is going to have to work for a lot of things this season, which I think is a nice change. Not that I think that things have been easy for Liz because they haven't, but I like that she's getting called out on things that, that Max has called her out, that Rose has called her out, um, that Kyle has in, in a lot of ways. And, um, I think that's good for the character. I think that it's going to be really interesting this season to see how she handles that, you know, that she's not like St. Liz in a lot of people's eyes anymore. Like you can, and they, and, you know, Max and Kyle and Rosa obviously all still love Liz. But sometimes it's the people that you're closest to that you need to have you to call you out. And so I'm really, I'm really happy that they're kind of addressing some of these, these issues with Liz through her relationships. And Maria too. I mean, (laughs) every episode, our, every character had, you know, something to say to Liz, some really hard truths that she needed to hear. And so this was, this is a hard episode. (laughs) I mean, she really had to hear some things that, and, and like you said, I mean, they all love her. It's not, it has nothing to do with that. It was just a lot of what happened in season two was fucked up. And a lot of what Liz was doing is fucked up. The reason she's back in Roswell is kind of fucked up. <laughs> I mean, it's that part she hasn't learned yet, you know, that, and God help us all when it comes to like Mr. Jones and what she finds out, like if she hasn't learned from her mistakes, it's only going to get worse. Yeah, was she like really going to try to like sneakily get some some of Max's DNA through Kyle? Like Liz again? Liz. How many Liz. times can you illegally take someone's DNA? You know, or or this invasive practice that she did to Kyle once that she's done to Max multiple times. Like, and I get that in her mind it's for a good purpose and for a good reason, but that's not how it works. You don't get to decide what the best course of action is when it comes to things like that. And I think hopefully she's going to come to that realization at some point. Yeah, 100%. Um, So yeah, hopefully um, the fact that she apologized holds for the next episodes. So like she apologized and I hope she doesn't go back on what she said, right? I hope she actually learns from it. but as, as you mentioned, we saw a lot of people confronting Liz in this episode. We got Maria, finally. 
I, I really, it was a tiny scene. I hope we get more, but I really do miss the relationship a lot. Um, just like the besties who never see each other, but are still besties. That's the best dynamic. And I just realized that it's, just, they were in the same place they were in the third season, third episode of the first season, talking to one another. That they yeah. climbed to the same, and it was, so even more parallels that I didn't even remember. So that means nothing, but I just love that. Yeah. and. And then we got um, the scenes with Rosa, which were lovely. I always, I, I always love their, their scenes. They're very, they're great sisterly dynamic. And I love that, you know, last season it was Liz being all pretending to be the older sibling um, or trying to be because technically she is now. Um, and this episode was all based on Liz being the annoying little little sister um so I did love that and I love that Rosa was one of the of the people who very very gently compared to everyone else in the episode um and very lovingly uh told her that maybe she needs to rethink some stuff I love Rosa's um continued pattern of, of calling Max vanilla I do appreciate when you take something and you let it thread itself amongst the multiple seasons so my hope is that we get that a little bit every once in a while. <laughs> Just sprinkle it in. Oh, and then Liz asking Rosa if she's met any friends in Rosa's face. <laughs> let's not like, talk about it let's i know but it was just that i'm really really looking forward to the liz and rosa scene of when it comes down to talking about wyatt um yeah i hope she points out that wyatt killed her <laughs> right because their dynamic right now is just it is so kind of light and and kind of lovely which they deserve after the drama of season two i'm glad that they're getting some kind of fun sisterly scenes but we're going to have to get real at some point and have a real conversation about the things that Rosa maybe doesn't realize about Wyatt or doesn't want to realize about Wyatt that she wasn't around for. Um, so I hope, you know, whoever's going to drop all those truth bombs on her, you know. Yeah, I did love that she, Rosa, I mean, um, really seems to have like internalized lessons from therapy, though, like what she says to Liz um about you know uh what word does she use like personal responsi responsibilities the word she uses I think so um that was a very good speech um and I do I did love Liz telling her um that they gave her her life back and she actually wants her to be able to live it um because I don't think Rosa is there yet like from the conversation that she has last episode with with Kyle, I don't think she really actually knows how to live a life yet that is something that is going to be like fulfilling in that way. So um, connected to Liz, let's move on to um, Kyle, who was the one who had the best scenes with Liz this episode. I do not want to hear anything from anyone he had the best scenes in this episode he was great he's the love of my life I love him so much the man Finally. is tired the man is tired let him sleep like done <laughs> the Leave scene with Isabel alone <laughs> the scene with Isabel where she's like you need to sleep it's like yeah yeah 
but he finally got to say all the things that he wanted to say, like for probably two seasons now, like two years, however long has been has been for them. Um, to both Liz and Max. So we'll start with Liz. He um, gets to tell her that she did unethical stuff last season and that she has to talk to people. Like, he's not the postman. I mean, he's not there to also, be... what a weird position to put Kyle in to put him between Liz and Max. I mean, and I do think he's in some way moved on from a romantic relationship from Liz. I think that it's been long enough now. I don't know that that's necessarily an issue. Would you put your ex though right in the middle of issues with you and another ex? Like, I don't think so. And I think that that's another thing that you can see him really hating is. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's just another example about how Liz just kind of bulldozes through life. And when she's focused on something like she has a goal she she needs this thing to reach that goal and I don't think that she ever like considers the the real consequences and what it takes and you know she sees you know I can get this by going here and here and here and doesn't really consider you know Kyle and Max and and everything and I don't say that insinuating that Liz is a bad person because she's not, but she's very goal oriented. And I think that, you know, Kyle calling her out on that was beautiful because out of all of these people in her life, aside from Rosa and presumably Max, like Kyle probably knows her better than anyone. Like he knows exactly how she is. They were presumably together for a while in high school. Who's who better to call out Liz than the founding member of Team Liz? Why did you keep this from me? You just found out Max is dying, and instead of asking him why he's been hiding it from you, you came here to yell at me? Who's ethically bound to keep it a secret? Why are you so afraid to talk to him? I am not afraid. I am furious at him. He made me believe that I was capable of anything, of being anyone, and then he took it away when he burned it all down. You used his DNA, Liz, without telling him. Max didn't put you here. You did when you decided to put science above everything else. Success at any cost has a cost. And you never stopped to consider it. Look, you can run from Max forever if you want, but you can't run from yourself. Eventually, you'll have to take responsibility for the things that you've done to the people you love. All I ever wanted was to save lives. That doesn't make it right. I can't keep doing this. Letting you and Max and everyone pull me into things that I didn't ask for. If you want something from Max, ask Max, not me. Yeah, and I think it's also, he was very clear. Like he he did not do it lovingly like Rosa. Very did. direct, especially very direct. for Kyle. Like Yeah, I think it just reached a point Mm-hmm. where he just he just exploded like he couldn't not keep it in anymore and which is not healthy like we see that he's not doing so well like himself mentally um and he wasn't last season either i don't think so like i don't from- know that he has since the beginning of the show because think about yeah. like the meltdown that he had at the end of season one and then everything that he went through in season two and now his girlfriend's broken up with him like whatever but still that's got to be important to him right yeah 
And um, and now all I, this, like, everyone yes. would reach their breaking point. I have opinions. I have opinions about <laughs> Kyle and, men- and mental okay. health. Yes, I have, do I tell have us. opinions about Kyle and mental health. And I think that Kyle has been seen as the rock on the show for so long. He's the moral center. He's the voice of reason. And I think that that, and he's very steady. He's literally one of the, like, he's a doctor for God's fucking sake, right? Like it takes immense intelligence and patience and, all, and bedside manner and all of those things. So I think those are the people whose mental health people get overlooked, right? Kyle's, Kyle's always going to be there. Kyle's always going to do whatever we need Kyle to do. We're, we, no matter what we ask of Kyle, for the most part, he's going to do it. He's reliable. Um, and I think that we have been seeing Kyle slowly start to have some issues over time. And a lot of times it's played for a joke. Like, for example, in this episode, when um, he's like, don't you people know I have a full-time job? And like, it's been to be funny, but truly he has an arduous job. <laughs> like truly he has a difficult job. And then he has to do all this on the side. He has to do things morally that he's uncomfortable with. And he said that multiple times in multiple different characters. And a lot of these things he's not comfortable with that takes a toll over time. And I do think, I'm sorry, but I do think Kyle is leaving the show. And I think that something is going to push him over the edge. And I think that he is going to leave because of the stress of all of this. And the fuck I would too. If you are seen as the most reliable character and no one really asks, how are you doing? Or thank you. Or which, I mean, Isabel did thank somebody has said it at some point, but you, you, if you can't always be that steady rock, someone has to look after you. And I don't know that anyone is anyway. I agree that I think that Kyle is leaving, but do you think that he's leaving permanently? I don't think so. No, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know like Trevino's plan or, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. any of that, but I could see him leaving until the very end of the show, which mm. wouldn't really be all that bit. But at the same time, we just saw him filming season four, episode one. Um, unless he's only directing, unless he's only doing behind the scenes stuff. Um, or unless it's like misdirection. So like, if you don't see Trevino on set for season four ever, like we're going to all assume yeah. that something I mean, happens. To yeah. Him. So that's the only wrench in the, the, the idea that Kyle is leaving is that because I did see that and I was like, damn it. This is why I don't like behind the scenes stuff. I don't like for stuff to get ruined because it, but again, he, I don't know if, I don't know what he's doing on set. It could just be something else, but yeah, I don't think now, he was in costume. So yeah, for now, my, I still think Kyle's leaving. Yeah. I, I have to agree because like there has been over three, over three episodes, there has been way too much stuff pointing to that. Like in every episode so far, he's been, he's mentioned that he has a possible promotion uh, he's been looking at stuff from that um, other hospital. Um, so, yeah, I think it's he's either getting killed or he's leaving. Like, those are the two options, really. So, yeah, the, that I had that down in my notes to discuss because I think it's very clear. Uh, unless, again, it's one of those things that they did, that they do early in the season, like to try and get you off the scent of what's actually happening but it's not I don't I don't know that it's actually that you know is it there it's not like Michael that they're like oh he's totally getting murdered and then obviously he's not but um 
So I don't know. I think he might be either getting killed or leaving. So um, the other thing, um, Kyle also talks to Max. Uh, so far, Kyle, we know he's uh, Max's doctor. He's been, you know, looking after him. And I, I really like that scene. I really like the dynamic. I've, uh, I really liked the dynamic in season two. I think it was very good. Really um, gross. Yeah. Um, and I, I did really like um, Kyle, again, being able to tell it how it is to Max as well. Um, especially because, again, this is from a doctor's point of view. You've kept information that could have helped save your life again my dad um from your doctor like this is not we're not talking about liz we're not talking about you know other people that are involved in the alien stuff but not you know you you might know what want them want to involve them in um mr jones's stuff but you have a clone that has possibly a viable heart for a transplant or has your same powers and could cure you and you didn't say anything for a year like i would be pissed as well yeah you don't even have to i mean like you don't even have to entertain the idea that you know you killed jones for max for his heart or whatever like this is a healthy copy of your patient for you to study who's being held captive and unfortunately can't say no to any you know what i mean like they and that's another stress on Kyle of he's really obviously spent a lot of time on Max and a lot of time trying to keep him healthy. I would be so angry if I found out that there are things that could have made my life easier as your doctor. Like it could have, it could have made everything easier though. This scene is there, this episode, especially Kyle even looks like he's coming a little bit unhinged <laughs> like in these conversations with people. You can tell it's his last nerve and it's, it's very frayed. Um, I do appreciate the Kyle and Max dynamic of this season. I, I do think all like cracky ships and stuff aside that they, you know, have become good friends. And I like that. Yeah. And I would, I would not be a good moderator if I did not mention that line where he finds out about Mr. Jones and he goes, there's another you. I mean a nightmare. <laughs> that was the best line of the episode. I don't care. Oh my god. Poor I love Kyle. <laughs> so um moving on to uh Maria and Isabel, which I put together purely because their first scene was together. Um so well, first of all, it's tragic that they're related. And I have, I, I do have to mention this. I am obliged to mention it uh, every single time that I have a scene together. Thank you very much. That's um, but speaking of them separately, so um, let's start with Maria. Uh, her, I was a little confused by her visions this time around, purely because um, when they were in the funeral home, um, she mentioned, she just said like a guy mentioned that he filed a complaint right and then as we go on in the episode we find out that maybe might be bird who we'll talk about later um and i was like but maria knows bird like she so why would it be bird like wouldn't she call him by his name if it was burning the vision um so i was a bit confused by that 
Well, and all she says is if, because the only glimpse we saw to, well, no, you're right. That really doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, which is why I don't think it's Bert. I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's necessarily related, but that one was a little, a, a strange inclusion. I don't, I don't really know what the point is because why wouldn't they have, he, he did file a police report like that was the whole point i guess maybe they're what happened at the drive-in later that night maybe he hasn't reported that maybe that's what that is i don't know um and the other um well maria wasn't really like as present in the, in the episode as much as she was in the first two but she was still very much there and very much driving the plot um but the other like big thing for her was um again her scenes with greg which are very cute they're so, so cute, cute. Uh, they're adorable mm-hmm. i love like, them um i think i said this in the tags of the post i, I reblog on tumblr um i uh, love that one of the uh staple maria things is her ability in some occasions to make everything she says sound sexual like when she said you can what she said carry my keg anytime like whatever she says and it was like you can okay. lift my keg anytime yeah. or something like that <laughs> it's like Which, okay, Maria. i i can't I, that's a that's a skill to be able to make that sound yeah like, exactly. you know, sexy so i don't fun. know you were a I bartender that- amanda you mean you never pulled that line no but i wish <laughs> i had apparently it works i think that their relationship is so sweet and Greg is the most smitten, the most smitten kitten I think I've ever seen. Um, just would clearly do anything for Maria. And I really hope that it actually ends with them. It feels like they're very hesitant and I don't really know why, because it doesn't feel like they've labeled it at all or, or, or dated or, you know, gone on a date or anything. So I hope that we get to see that sweetness and it doesn't end miserably. Yeah. I don't yeah. really understand why they aren't like moving forward and I, I know it's only been three episodes but like they very clearly both like each other they both very clearly flirt I guess I don't understand why Greg is hesitant to like ask her out or why Maria doesn't ask him out because you know she's not the type to kind of like wait right yeah. on on the guy yeah, or whatever the, for the drama I, just, I guess I mean to, to make it well, like weird weird pining I guess I don't know yeah I, I would think also on Maria's side it's well she has a degenerative disorder so that's fair but he knows about it right does well, he i mean he knows about I, aliens does he know I about that so, yeah he knows about the vision so i would i would think well and it might it. not be her focus right now i mean she's so focused yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on her visions on her brain like what's going to happen so it may just be i can't imagine starting a new relationship knowing all of this is going on so yeah and her visions Which I don't clearly mind. are getting yeah her visions are getting more intense they're changing mm-hmm. which is very important um so I don't I think know, this- I don't changing as much as she just like kind of unlocks more of the vision. Well, the flowers changed. Sense. There was the someone did screenshots on Tumblr. Did they? But I did yeah. not pay attention to flowers. Um, oh, I didn't know. I would never have seen it. But there were a couple things in the visions that changed over time. Now that could mm-hmm. be just the way that they're making it. You know what I mean? Like that could be an accident. That could just be a plot yeah. hole or whatever. Um, I still think that it would make sense if it changed mm-hmm. according to the decisions they make now. I mean, so I, it would make sense that that until we get more like dramatic examples of how, if, of it changing, it, I don't know if we're supposed to know that yet. Yeah. Well, and I think we talked about that in like, I think the first recap where 
like may, you know, one would assume that like Maria's visions, like as she tries to affect change, the vision itself changes. So I imagine we're gonna get to this point where her her visions change dramatically, like maybe even like who's there and who's not like, um, you know, Michael wasn't in the vision before, but he may be in the future, you know, that kind of like those shifts as you try to affect what's going to happen. Okay, so um, Isabel, um, she uh, finds out thanks to the turquoise, tur tur how do you say that word? Turquoise. Turquoise. turquoise um, that Michael gives her. Um, and then she goes and talk to, talks to Mr. Jones. She finds out that she's an empath. Now, my first reaction was, mm. how did you not know before? Like, that is literally the most logical explanation for your power ever. I'm, there's a, it feels like they're unlocking parts of their powers that they should have known all along. And the logical mm. explanation is maybe their powers haven't manifested in these ways until now, but mm -hmm. we haven't seen that proof. Like, we, why would that be? What would be the case for that? So I don't, there's a little bit, when it comes to their powers, it's getting a little wonky yeah. and getting a little, I don't know. Maybe it's evolving because they've learned the other abilities, you know, because like Isabel can do telekinesis now and like, so... Kind of. well, not, the whole yeah. the whole canon of how their powers work has always been very murky well yeah. and i and i'm having a i'm struggling a little bit with isabel's powers which we found are a little bit invasive a lot bit invasive and i'm trying to make that and the idea that she's an empath sort of coexist in my mind and it's not really necessarily making a whole lot of sense I don't know. I don't, I don't, this to me, calling her an empath, this came out of nowhere and doesn't really make sense with the Isabel that we've seen and how her powers work until now. I just, and I mean this in like the nice way, because I love Isabel. I, she's one of my favorite characters, but of all characters to be tuned in to how other people are yeah, feeling. <laughs> that doesn't feel accurate. That, and it doesn't, and it feel, and it's supposed to be like being able to like recognize emotions more and but she spends a lot of time like affecting them. I don't know. I, I, I guess maybe I need to see more of it, of, of what they mean when they call her an empath. Yeah. I mean, hopefully the, the point is that she will learn to like use this new side of her powers that she's supposedly unlocked or discovered or, yeah. because or I, labeled at least. Yeah. Because knowing literally what's going on in someone's mind is not what, being an empath means so mm -hmm. it's almost like they've conflated the two ideas that just because she can get in someone's head and see their emotions doesn't mean that she's an empath so that I, I'm I, you know and again this may just develop as time goes on which would make more sense yeah um but you know whatever the case is um I do I do still love the scenes between her and Jones um, oh yeah I do love that we go back to this fear of Isabel's of not being connected to her siblings. And then I thought, well, I did think it was really lovely that she, you know, she seems to have so happy to find out, you know, more about her powers. But um, it was very clear to me in this episode specifically how much Jones was actually manipulating her and this time around well in the last episode it was very clear that she was aware of it this time around I think he's he's managed to 
like striking a point where he's manipulating her, but she cares about knowing the answer so much that she doesn't really care or she doesn't really um, realize how much she's been manipulated, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm a little scared for Isabel right now. Oh, but, um, I'm so excited now that Jones is free. Oh, yeah. What that means for, I'm assuming, impersonating Max. Mm-hmm. Love and it. like what that means, you know, specifically for all the characters, but specifically Isabel, Liz, is again, things that are things going to get weird. This is all I've wanted since, since we howdy partnered our way into this storyline um, is to see, you know, if Jones can be Max and with a, mm-hmm. but with a, like a super manipulative side. And I'm just so excited. We're going to talk about more later. Um, but for now, are we ready to yes. move on to the star <laughs> of this episode? Love of my life. Mr. Michael Gary, Gary and ladies and gentlemen. Do we all agree that he's gonna walk through fire at some point? Is a fucking course, obviously. Obviously, they could literally for Alex, they could not make that more obvious if within that's it's the least subtle thing I've ever seen on Roswell, and that's saying something. Thank you. Um, the fact that he just puts his hand on fire for some reason, just casually, he just lights it on fire. I'm like, I I too, like you just had that end healed. Oh, is it the same hand? I don't even remember. Yeah. 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 Um, I just, the emo nature of sitting outside on a truck, like drinking and pouring it on yourself and lighting it on fire. Like, it's just so emo. I, and I get, you know, Michael sadness. I don't want to make light of, I'm sure like an intense, painful thing, you know, but it's just so Michael to just casually light himself on fire. I don't, or try. It's very strange. So anyway, um, all jokes aside, it was a bit, I, I, you know, I do, again, they play and he plays his trauma as a joke a lot of the time, which, you know, everyone faces trauma in a different way. Um, he plays his with drama and panache, which as a, you know, a fellow bisexual, I understand and I love, but he is pretty suicidal in this episode. So let's start with the fact that we start off the episode thinking that he, he's going to be the one who's in the coffin, right? We all know that he isn't. This is too clear. It's too soon oh. in the season. Too early. He's not the one who's dying. Um, do we think that it's possibly Sanders? Okay. I'm going to say one thing. Uh-huh. This is a group of very intelligent people. <laughs> yes. Very intelligent presumably fairly well educated i mean i'm just making that assumption like combined you know very intelligent people um sitting in a room putting together clues and michael says sander's name twice about both clues and the only conclusion that they can reach is oh my god it must be michael who's dying it's totally are you fucking kidding it's the song michael is like it's totally me it's me i'm dying i getting murdered as he said to Alex or whatever the hell he said and it's like bro bro you literally is it's Sanders or at least we're supposed to think it's Sanders yeah I think Sanders I don't think it's Sanders who dies but I do think he's a red herring I don't Mm -hmm. know that the conclusion you were supposed to jump to was that it was Michael 
dumbasses. I think it's too obvious that it's Sanders at this point for it to actually be Sanders. Because I was sitting there watching the episode going, you dumbasses, it's fucking Sanders. It's either Sanders or Wyatt or like one of the Roswell, what do they call them? Regiment, whatever fucking dumbass name. Or, you know, I, I whatever. Or maybe, I guess Bert, but I don't, I don't think that that's the case. But I mean, I don't know... For a while, I did think it was Kyle, but that doesn't really make any sense with the flashback either. Mm-hmm. So it could be Sanders. It could just as equally be anyone else. But yeah, that was a yeah. real dumb moment. I, mean, I never least... thought of it being Wyatt, but that's a no. good point, Amanda. Okay. I think it could be. So I think me, it could be Wyatt. Me and Sober Queer in the Wild. I know this is completely off topic. and makes like, shut the fuck up. I'm the moderator. Please don't talk about this right now. But we did talk about how it would make sense if it was Wyatt. If the part of this redemption arc is if they have Wyatt dying to protect Rosa or protect one of the main people or something. And that was like part of his redemption, but he ended up dying anyway. I don't know. That, I mean, that could make sense. Yeah. I think that that makes sense because he would be dead and that would be great. Uh, but also if they're, if they want to follow through the redemption arc, that's really kind of the only way to redeem him because you know, if he eventually is going to recover his memories. So I think I I'm starting to fully believe that it's Wyatt. Yeah. I I think it's not Michael. It's not Michael, which is what matters. And we knew it wasn't going to be Michael. Yeah. Um, what (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm laughing. This is not, this is, this is serious, but, um, the fact that he's so I want to laugh I, I keep laughing at this but it's heartbreaking like I, I laugh so I don't cry but he is the, the important thing of the episode is that we know he's not dying but he's convinced that he's gonna be the one who's dying right mm-hmm. and he's totally fine with it because and this is my shining moment because he brings back the monster metaphor Mick's favorite love. thing. My favorite thing in the whole world. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so he believes himself to be a monster because of uh, what Jones told him, that he's the dictator's hair. Um, and he spends the whole episode trying to prove <laughs> that he's a monster. Like, And everybody's like, nope. But, I, well, listen, I don't know. I don't really know how to talk about it. It's, because it didn't not really bother me because they've been treating him this way since day one. So, eh. Um, but the fact that everyone is like, Michael, shut the fuck up, which is fair, but also mayhaps ask him why he's so ready to die. Okay. I'm going to raise my hand because I have a question. Yes. Why in the history of the show does no one ever ask Michael what the fuck is going on? Why yes, do they exactly. see him have meltdown after meltdown after meltdown after weird personality change? Why after his hand was, you know, destroyed by Jesse, did no one ask any questions? Why X, Y, Z happened? Did no one have a conversation with Michael? Like, what is it about Michael that causes people? I don't want to to not give a fuck but to not ask for more details or not give right give some comfort clearly the man's going through something you only had to see him in the church where he's stumbling in he's laughing maniacally or like smiling maniacally he looks like he looks like he's losing his mind so i don't know someone casually asked what's going on 
instead of yelling at him when he stops a literal hate crime. Yes. (laughs) Which, listen, I understand why. Like, I understand that you're trying to tell him I, I know you're you you think you're dying, but maybe don't like directly try to get yourself killed. I understand that. But right. the way that they said it, like he was doing a good thing. He was using his white privilege to do a good thing. Was it safe? Was it no, not for himself, you know. But he knew very well what those men were gonna do to Bert. Yeah. And there was no question about it. And you could say. He was just itching for a fight. You could say he was just whatever it may be, but he did what he was supposed to do and he stepped in. And so I don't think berating him or criticizing him for that option or that choice was was the best course of action. Like what? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. And I would like to remind everyone what type of people the Roswell Regiment, whatever they call him, themselves or why it's former group I guess we have to call them now but that group of people are what kind of people they are and who Michael is he's a poor person he's bisexual he's a bisexual man like these are people who maybe maybe just because he does not usually maybe go and look for it but he does look he has looked for a fight before but he's not maybe been a victim of a hate crime from them before but they're certainly targeting people like him you know and they have a literal alien he's a literal alien so you know it's not out of and he has had a fight with Wyatt for something similar before last season for you know uh, Mimi's poster and and that was connected to Maria and that was again something good you know he was again and, reacting to racism bigotry and right. all of that and michael's been the victim of a hate crime right exactly so he's been the literal victim of a hate crime of any person to step in in this situation it would make sense if it were michael or even yeah. the most sense would make my but alex anyone but also max is a cop like what where was he what was he doing why was like what uh, Telling Michael not to get involved. It's basically implying that he doesn't want, you know, he's using his powers in front of people. Okay, Max. You, well, he, he did, but also he wasn't also, me. He was just trying to punch someone. How many times has Max done the same thing and put them at risk of people finding out because he was using his powers? I mean, come on. He did, that he just calls did back. On, on Wyatt in season one. Yeah, that just calls back to season one, Max, who was very like, do as I say, not as I do. Like that was yeah. a very season one Max moment. Yeah. So they do ask him very late in the episode what's going on with him, um, which should have been the first first question. We've been the, with these characters for years. Their dynamic hasn't really changed. Why is Michael the one who never gets, you know, asked how he is? Um, so that's something that always bothered me so in this episode it was like more of the same um they did eventually ask what's going on with him he did say that you know he thinks he's a monster he thinks he deserves it again boy you need therapy so yeah and then we move on to the star scene of this episode i don't care We're it's the best scene tonight. of the episode alex obviously <laughs> surprising none Absolutely none. 
is the one who gets to Michael. Obviously. But it's anyway. weird. It's like they're soulmates. I saw your car. Wanted to give you this turquoise. It resonates with our tech. I don't know why. But I do know that if any alien mysteries come around, I won't be here to play Hardy Boys. I'm getting murdered. <laughs> Michael Guerin going down without a fight? I don't believe it. Well, you always did see the violence in me, didn't you? What are you talking about? I can never do the right thing. Turns out neither could my father. How do you know that? It doesn't matter. He was a killer. Genocidal maniac, actually. Wow, you must have loved that. You've been looking for proof that you were worthless your whole life. What can I say? I had a hunch. Yeah. Look, if you're your father, then I'm mine. Which means I have a lot of torturing to do before the end of the night, so excuse me. It's not, it's not the same. No, it is. I hate to break it to you, Garen, but there's not some special set of rules that applies just to you. You decide who you are. If you give up, it is on you. Hmm. Wait. In Maria's vision, I say that I'm covering up a murder, right? Yeah. It's not you. You can't know that. Yes, I can. If it were you, I would not cover it up. I would burn the entire world down first. Um, let's start for, from the beginning of the scene because I did love that Michael was just there waiting for him and it was like, I recognize your car because I was such like, they know each other so well. I love them so much. And he just gives him, he just hands him stuff. And that's so and he cute. Just, because there's nothing more jarring to me is when you rewatch season or episode 10 of season two with that whole what are you going to do fight me for it and that in very intense scene between the two of them and now Michael is very much trusting of Alex to give this tech over although I don't know what he knows I don't know if he knows what Alex is doing I have no idea um I would have liked to see some of that develop on screen but that's fine that's a constant you know constant criticism and so I love that Michael, there was no hesitation. Michael essentially threw the turquoise at his face and was like, here, here's this thing. We don't, we don't know what it does. But the fact that, you know, that Alex was the first person that he was going to give that to is just, I mean, it's just stuff of shipper like dreams. Yeah. It, um, I love them. <laughs> that whole, he was waiting for him and he had that dramatic put lean against the car and, like it was, it was classic Malik's and I'm so glad we didn't, you know, and it was, that it was a different conversation than we've had 50,000 times. Like it was just, it was so good. Um, do I think that Alex could have been a little bit nicer um, mm -hmm. and maybe a little less dismissive? Yes. I do think that at some point in time, they have to learn that they love one another is not in question. I do think that they need to learn how to be kind to one another. Um, and gentle with their words in a way that they will, will get glimpses of. Like they're really good at yelling aggressively romantic things at one another. But at some point you have to be softer and you have to be more understanding. Did, I don't know if right now Michael needed this sort of the way that Alex went, you know, went at it, but it worked out well. I mean, he, he needed something to get through to him. 
So I'm glad that Alex was there. I wouldn't change anything about the scene. I do hope in the future that we get some, some more gentle, but also Michael just being like, I'm getting murdered. And Alex is like, what the fuck are you even talking about? (laughs) You've lost your mind. I think it's very them. I think it's very, it gave, it gave some like levity to the situation where Alex was like, I can see through your bullshit. Like, what are you, what the fuck are you talking about? You can't spend all this time telling me that I'm not the same as Jesse and I'm not the same kind of mains man and then turn around and just completely ignore that for yourself. That's Mm -hmm. not how this works. Yeah. Beautiful. And I love that uh, like Alex, when Michael's like, I'm getting murdered, Alex is the definition of that no with a heart. Yeah. Like the whole thing was Alex. I know I, I, I do agree that it was rough with it. Um, I think it fits their dynamic. Like I, yeah. I think, you know, the whole, the part of the scene before that where they're like kind of teasing each other, like that's so them. Um, the fact that they kind of bond over having genocidal fathers perfect i love that for them um, i mean most couples it would be about books that you both like yeah. but sure but sure sure i mean we watch the same show i don't know i guess whatever but no it's genocide of fathers it's fine we all need something my alex's little laugh that he does oh top tier um i do agree that he was a, a little rough like everyone else in the episode to michael um yeah. i do think you know, Michael would not have reacted the same way if Alex had gone, you know, a nicer way about it. I think I he kind of needed to hear that. Agreed. From Alex. And Alex was, you know, Alex kind of right. acted like everyone else did with Michael in the episode, but Alex is the only one Michael actually listens to. Yeah. Um, the only the only line that I think if you rot, if you watch the show from an objective standpoint, which I've never done a day in my life, but I've tried. Um, the only line that I think you could really get in depth about, about whether or not it's very realistic or that you've seen examples of both. And what I mean is when he says, you've been looking for, what is it? Reasons to think you're worthless for your whole yeah. life or whatever the line is. You could easily go through every episode and like, for example, make a gift set of every time he's basically confirmed that Michael is essentially worthless and sometimes, yeah. but he's also done equally there. You could find as many times where he's done the opposite, which is a very yeah. strange part of their dynamic. And a lot of that's Alex's own trauma and their shared trauma together and all of that. So that's the only line where I'm like, well, you didn't always help Alex. Like you didn't always yeah. help with that. Sometimes you did, you know, that's, and I think maybe that's part of the reason their dynamic works so well. Cause I'm like, it's not all cut and dried. Maybe. I don't know. Well, he's right. I mean, like Michael does very much do that. Absolutely. And in, in this episode specifically, he does do that. Like he's literally trying to get people to tell him that he deserves to die. Which he doesn't. And I wish people told him more clearly that you're like, Michael, hello. No, you do not deserve to die. And again, he needs therapy. <laughs> um, so another part that I really loved, um, that was the part that I loved most about the scene is that, you know, it was very dramatic, like any Malik scene ever. Um, and he, he, it looked like it was going to end. Like every Malik scene last season with one of them walking away uh, angry because the conversation had ended 
uh, it, it looked like it ended, but they they hadn't actually said everything. Uh, and then Alex said, wait. That wait, I think, like, I can frame it. It's in my heart. Like, that's the best part. Like, that Put it in the loop. That's the, it's the, it's the 109. It's the 109 wait. Yeah. It's the, it's the 109 wait. You know, I'm, I'm tired of not saying the things I want to say or whatever. Like, that's, that's what it makes you think of. Because it's finally. And again, parallels. Parallels. And they're at the drive-in. Ah, driving, which was where they broke up in season one. Oh, this is so poetic. Um, <laughs> I love it. And then, so they actually finish, managed to well, finish, you know, have a full conversation with Alex saying what he needs to say. And the most romantic line in the history of Heather, when he says that he would not, you know, be okay if Michael died, that he would burn the entire world down for us. I mean, so we good. knew, we knew, but I'm we not gonna knew, lie. But- it's kind of nice to hear a present or future tense, you know, yeah. declaration. Mm-hmm. But it's not, I loved you, or I loved you for it, or I, I wouldn't burn me. the world down for you. I would, I, I would burn. I would, I will do it. I would, I will if it needs, if I need to. Like even just that small tense change, I'm like, fucking finally, we're talking about the future. We're not talking about the goddamn past anymore. Like let the fucking past be in the past. I'm so sorry, Neeling, but <laughs> I'm so tired of every Malik scene being in past tense. I, we get it. We understand there, you know, there's still trauma there. There's still a lot to work through, but holy shit, let them talk about the future. Like that's what, that's what really matters in this moment. And so that line of not even just the sort of burning the world down metaphor, which I really obviously enjoy, but just giving him future hope. I will, no matter what, I will do this for you. Like, finally, thank you. Mm -hmm. It only took- Michael needed to hear that in that moment. Yeah, It only took 29 episodes. Yeah. You see it in his face after that is like, oh, sh- well, shit, you know, because I mean, he just saw two episodes ago, he just saw Alex with someone else. So like it would make sense in my mind if Michael, like not only is in suicidal mode in this episode, but also part of the hope that he might have had to have, you know, a relationship or a future with Alex that we see early in episode one of the season he had at least part of that shatter by seeing you know Forrest and Alex so the moment that Alex tells him that I don't know that he knows that Alex broke up with Forrest but he like his face when Alex says that oh so good cosmic well and what's funny is not funny is that I kept seeing like right after the episode, of course, we were all obsessed with that line and 400 gift sets and, you know, all, which is great of that same scene. And people kept leaving off Michael's reaction or not talking about Michael's reaction. I'm like, guys, that's equally as important. I know that we get that slow blinky blink of, of love, of confusion from Michael a lot, but you can see it hitting him square in the face and in the heart. That was cheesy. Sorry. But just, you can see him internalizing what Alex just said. And it physically like affects him in a way that it almost looks like it takes his breath away. 
because again, Alex has said something powerful and in the future and definitive, and there is no questioning it. He was very firm, almost scary firm. <laughs> like, well, and I would not cover it up. I would burn the entire world down first. I'm like, bro. <laughs> well, and you know, Michael has talked about, you know, like it's not our time, but you know, it will be in the future or whatever. But I still, you know, you still like he may know that, but you know, Alex has, as far as he understands, kind of moved on, you know, whether or not he knows if he's with forced or or not. Um so kind of have that confirmation, I think that, you know, they may not be where they need, where they want to be at now, but Alex is still very obviously in this. He still very obviously cares about Michael. So to have that confirmation is, is jarring for Michael, like as much as he, he craves that, you know, like to, to know that's going to be very, you know, like, oh, wow. Like, you know, punch in the gut. Yeah. He's also spent the entire episode being told by people to shut up about it you know like i know alex was rough about it but he at least was having a conversation with michael like with everyone else um i know it was a reaction born from fear of what was gonna happen like from both from maria from isabel from max they were scared about losing michael and then understand that and we visibly see Isabel and Maria being upset when Michael leaves so he doesn't see that so he the reaction that he gets is stop whining stop complaining shut up about it we're gonna fix it but we do not do not want to hear it and yes Alex is rough and he says no the fuck you're not getting murdered but at least he's having a conversation with Michael at least he's saying okay, why the fuck do you think you're getting murdered? Why, you know, what's happening? What's going on here? So that, that's what I also love about that. Um, and, and, and why I think it's Alex's um, attitude is different from everyone else's and why Michael reacts differently. I agree. Okay. Very, very quick because there really wasn't much. It was very much a continuation of last episode with um deep sky which i still don't understand um we uh it was confirmed that there is you know the deep sky guy knew jesse so okay so i think listen i think it's a good thing that they're trying to get alex to move away from jesse's shadow and from thinking like jesse thought um, I'm not sure that I you know, really want him to start thinking like Deep Sky, like if that's where that is going. But um, but I do like Alex trying to move away from from Jesse and Jesse's memory. Very quick, we're just gonna wrap up. Um, the scene with Greg again was lovely. So there are, there's a bunch of stuff, unless you guys have anything else to say about Alex, that I put on like a general miscellaneous kind of box because I didn't know where to put it. One is Bird and the whole Roswell Regiment uh, scene and Wyatt. Um, I love having Bird back. I hate the Roswell Regiment and I hate that Wyatt 
you know, it's starting to look like something we're, we're supposed to uh, sympathize with. But I did love that everyone was kind of like, what the fuck just, <laughs> just happened when he was um, on their side of it still doesn't make sense to me that like nobody is like there's something wrong with Wyatt like because everybody knows how he's been the last decade and they're just like huh weird weird like does no one question anything in this town I don't understand no one has any questions like no they're just like it's Roswell it's weird women <laughs> Like that's the whole explanation for it, I guess. I appreciate more Bert time. He's, you know, phenomenal. I, I love that he, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, obviously did not, you know, want to see a hate crime on the show. You know, I'm glad that the direction that it went in, I hope they leave Bert alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next is Mr. Jones, the scene with Max and the fact that Mr. Jones is free, which we've mentioned. I did really like the scene with Max and seeing finally seeing them, you know, up against each other. So good. Very, it was yeah. so fun. Just seeing, like, at this point, he's obviously doing it on purpose, right? Like, playing right. Max terribly and mm-hmm. giving it his all to Mr. Jones. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, the difference in acting between the two. I'm telling you, and I said mm-hmm. it last week, and I'll say it this week, I'm giving him a lot of credit. He's playing yeah. Jones very well. I thought it was, you know, I was always a little worried that it was just going to be like Max 2.0, mm-hmm. but it's completely different, different mannerisms. Mm-hmm. He stuck to it. It's very consistent. Jones is amazing. Still love him. Hope he wreaks havoc on everyone. Amanda, you reblogged this, this set earlier and I reblogged it um, earlier in the week, but somebody made one with those lines from You Should See Me in a Crown. Yeah. Yes. I, and I was like yes <laughs> because i just happened to see it and i was like oh this is the most perfect gift set that ever existed because mm-hmm. yes it's so i can i can see it i can hear it it's perfect jones fucking tear this town apart i'm gonna be very excited to see it and i'm really excited to mm-hmm. see how he plays max yeah um and last well almost last is the Valente radio came back surprising absolutely none and it has a connection with the deep sky machine which i have no idea what it's called and shocking they have a connection with something alien (laughs) who would have thought and the pieces want to be together like vague parallel with the turquoise like glowing and near alex's heart and all Mm -hmm. that jazz subtle (laughs) never been subtle a day in their lives i love it yeah but I did like the, like, you know, the music connection. And um, do we think the radio has like a recording from Jim Valenti? Yes. Someone, yes. W- it, was it you that said that is Jim Valenti alive? Was it you? That was me. Yeah. Was you? Like, is his like spirit communicating through the radio <laughs> to Kyle? Well, there, sure. I, a recording might make more sense, but you know, I mean, it yeah. is Roswell. I mean, I don't know. It's, you know, obvi- it, it couldn't have been more important have they just like shined a spotlight on it and so of yeah. course it did exactly what we thought it was going to do but mm-hmm. yeah so um last but not least favorite part of the episode we're not even gonna do that it's malik's <laughs> okay but favorite scene other than malik's favorite scene other than malik's yeah because i mean that would be all of ours favorite one is the two actually kyle and liz scenes where he calls her up 
Amanda? I, I would completely agree. I would say Kyle and Liz specifically, but even with Max, I think Kyle said some truths that needed to be said. It's about time that somebody said them. Um, it, that or the scene in the church with the little funny, someone who would be caught dead in a church and then Michael stumbles in. Classic humor. That was really good. Um, I'm going to go with the Kyle scene too, but the scene with Isabel, uh, I thought that was really good. And I love that somebody was kind of looking out for Kyle for once instead of the other way around. And, you know, as much as I want Isabel to have a female love interest, um, I really, I really do like them together. They're, they're kind of sweet and soft this season. And, um, I think that, I think that Kyle, brings out some really good soft sides of Isabel. So I really liked that scene. And I think Isabel sees some things that Kyle needs that other people are missing, like Mm -hmm. a thank you or, you know, a deeper discussion. Um, So, you know, I would not be mad at the very minimum of, of, you know, a friendship that we get to see, you know, that continues to develop at the very minimum because they do really work. They work really, really well together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was our three uh, episode three of season three recap thank you guys for joining in um sorry about the technical difficulties we'll try to be better about that um it's it's not a queer alien blast episode if we don't have technical difficulties so you guys can always catch us on twitter on instagram on tumblr at queer alien blast and we'll be back next next week for episode four thank you guys bye thank you (laughs) 